You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm Keith Arthur and welcome aboard my strange boat. Joining me for this voyage is not just an angler, but someone who had one of the most important jobs in our sport for quite a while and now has another. Steve Fitzpatrick was editor of the Angling Times before taking a career break. And it wasn't long after that he found himself the man responsible for firing the Angling Trust's competition team into a new dimension. He's also a very good angler, so let's settle down and find out a bit more about him. Steve, welcome aboard. Thank you very much, Keith. That's uh, an incredible intro. Let's sort out a bit about your fishing first, because I know a bit about your jobs, but I don't know much about your fishing um, before your... With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Angling Times job, how did you get into the sport? It was, uh, like most people, I think, my, it was family members. And for me, it was my, my granddad, who was a very, very keen trout angler in uh, and river angler up in, in North Wales where I'm originally from and uh, we just went out one day in a, on a tiny little river near near Rithin and we went fish spotting off a off a bridge and I was just fascinated about the river itself and it and its wildlife and and uh, and the fishing in inside of it and I just got into it from from there and also um when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We had uh, a football team, and my uh, the manager was also an angler, and uh, he ran the local cubs and scouts, and they had a fishing club, and I joined, and never looked back. So I was about seven or eight, I think, at that point, and we we went out. We were local to the River Dee in in Chester, where I'm from, and it was just an eye-opening experience to see this this big river full of fish and and hardly an anger on it for for many many days of the year um and just started just started fishing it and, and just fascinated by the river i know it's come back a bit now but would that have been in the days when the the, the d was a prime dace river and and there were some great weights of dace caught i think farndon was farndon one of the stretches farndon was confusing that with the train Farnham was one of the stretches that we we dreamed of getting to, but we tended to fish the the free waters around uh, Chester City Centre and uh, around towards Eccleston, where the Duke of Westminster's uh, properties are. 
Um, it was days fishing. I, unfortunately, I started fishing, team fishing in winter leagues. So uh, we were looking at maybe half a dozen days for, for two pounds, two and a half pounds to, to win an event. And uh, I remember you needed to be really close to the weir in Chester to, uh, to get the, the multiples. So you could get two or three the further away you went up towards the suspension bridge. But if you were right by the, right by the weir there, you were looking at you know two, three, four, maybe even six pound on on a really good day, but the river really? changed. You know the river changed. It was uh, it was days, but we had lots and lots of roach in there. We had lots of eels back in the day. I'm t I'm talking early eighties now. It was it was absolutely alive with with lots of species of fish. And then you'd have the odd catch in summer where somebody'd sit on a on a big shoal of bream and and you know have forty fifty pound of bream or, or or beyond. I remember seeing a, a, an article in Angling Times once written by a, a friend of mine, a guy called Don Bridgewood, who was our Northwest correspondent. And uh, it was on the day I've of my- I've seen his name lots of times. Yeah, it was, on, it was actually on the day of my birth and somebody had a 180 pound bag of, of bream out the River Dee. And uh, it, it all just sort of came, came together. It felt like I was destined to be involved in fishing and, and the River Dee was the starting place for me. Now, it, it's, it's come back a bit, I think, recently, but it, it went through the doldrums like so many of our rivers in the early 90s. But I, I keep hearing good things about it now. And, of course, any matches on those rivers now, the weights always look better because you normally get three pegs to where you used to have one. But it, it, the trend is very noticeable for that. The pegs are all much, much longer than they used to be. I wonder how many weights there would have been on there in, if in its heyday you had uh, 25, 30 yards a river because some places you only had a third of that. I remember uh, very well, but anyway, that's that's so that was your your start, and then did you did you go down sort of the, the match fishing path more than match and pleasure fishing rather than the specialist? It was definitely match fishing. I just it was the buzz of competitions that I I wanted. I, I loved that. I loved fishing as part of a team, and I I loved just it was winter leagues more than anything else. I, I loved the winter fishing. I couldn't get excited by by summer and and tench fishing. It just didn't do anything for me in those, in those days it's very different now like like all aspects of, of angling but it was match fishing that, that really was the, the spark there and and it wasn't that you could win anything great i remember a, a winter league match when we were 10 11 years of age and and uh we won one of the rounds and i think i won a a brandy decanter or a whiskey decanter or something bizarre like that back in the days which it didn't have anything in it but it was it was a bit of silverware a bit of glassware and um it was just you know, wow, this this is great. Winter fishing was just just did it for me. It was the, it was the spark. It's funny you say, you say that. I was looking for a date of a competition that I was writing about the other day, and it was the first angling to the angling not angling trusting the ACA Celebrity Masters at Mallory Park, and uh, up, up up on where well, you can't see up above my head and in front of me, there's um. And a whole line of tankards from the ACA Celebrity Mars. And I was just hoping one of them would have a date on, but it didn't, unfortunately. So uh, I didn't win. I only won one of the matches, but I, I won team events and stuff. So the ACA Celebrity Teams. And uh, yeah, they're all up there somewhere. I've got the trophy upstairs in the loft, but it wasn't that important. I knew the exact date to go up to the loft. I, that was, uh, I remember with, a, a, a match on the, on the River D, which I was, I think, within 10 minutes of winning another Winter League match. And I'd had... One bite, one roach, one pound fifteen. I had it on a waggler, and I was just—it was the, it's still my biggest ever roach. I was just waiting for that final whistle to go, and the guy, one of my best friends at the time, uh, a couple of pegs up um, towards the kitten gates, so quite a known location there, hooked a pike. I thought, well, that's okay. That that won't count because we don't count pike in the matches. For some reason on that match, they decided to count, and it was uh, three pound two, and I came second. Second with a one fifteen ounce roach against a pike, not even big enough to eat it. Oh, well, that's not right, is it? <laughs> it I, was, I've got to confess, I have won a match with with, with a pike on the um, on the Regent's Canal of all places, and like you, I didn't I didn't think they counted. I put it in my net to make sure it didn't eat every other roach I hooked, and um, I don't know whether it took a roach or not. It certainly didn't look like it. The float dipped. It wasn't even a proper bite. The float dipped or struck, and it was hooked on the outside of its its jaw, which is how I managed to land it after an hour and a quarter of stretching number three elastic across the region's canal with a 12 ounce bottom anyway that's and that was 10 pound 11 and uh that one the matches were only three pound per second so i didn't feel guilty at all because i could have had that many roach if i hadn't caught a damn bike you uh you just mentioned pole pole fishing actually and that was kind of a, a revelation for me when we first started fishing on the day as a, as, a, as a as a youngster 
it was all about feeder fishing, little Drenum block end feeders with, with red maggots or bronze maggots, um, little sections of worm and things like that. But then I discovered um, float fishing. It sounds really, really strange, but somebody showed me how to fish a waggler and a stick float properly on, on a river. And that, that for me was the kind of, that was, that was the moment that, that, that changed my fishing forever. And I, I said, I had that roach on, on the waggler and I'd learned, and I went and taught myself, I practiced and practiced on that river really deep river in place like Eccleston you're talking like 14 to 16 feet you know off the rod end and that learning how to fish a pole in those sorts of depths and feed to get the fish in front of you and, and you know draw them up from below that for me was it was hard work but I, I think that sort of fishing stood me in good stead from being a teenager learning to have, how to fish a river like that there's sometimes flowed in a different direction depending on the on the tides at, at, at coming up to Chester and would absolutely tear through and come up three feet during a match. If you if you can learn to fish and catch roach and perch and dace on a water like that, I think it stands you in, in really good stead for other other fishing the rest of your life. It was a good grounding. Without a doubt, it was it was similar here on the Thames. You know, I I, I if, if you I always said if you can fish a stick float on a river, you can fish anywhere. Yeah, and that's not necessarily the case, but that's what I felt at the time. Um, so you, you've got into your fishing big time. Did you decide then that you wanted to be a journalist or, or did that, like me, everything that's happened to me has been happenstance. I haven't planned a single part of my working life, except I did. I do remember saying to our, someone who came in to talk to us about careers when I was at my grammar school, that uh, just to put them off, I said, I want to be a BBC newsreader because it was only the BBC and, and, and the only, there was no such thing as a radio presenter or a TV presenter, everybody was on read the news. So I said, I want to be a newsreader. But that's all. And, and I eventually got to a role where I actually read the news um, when I was 48 years old. And that was when the news newscast, the newsreader didn't turn up at TalkSport one Saturday. Wow. Newspapers and journalism were, were in my family. My, my dad worked at uh, some of the big Northwest newspapers for 40 plus years and, and always said to me, whatever you do, don't go into newspapers, don't go into magazines. And um, it didn't put me off. It just I had at that time in my life, I, I had other things I was interested in, and it was the environment more than anything else. So, I've, a few people probably wouldn't know this, but I've actually got a, a two degrees. Um, I've got a master's degree in, in environment and biology and applied ecology. So it was all based around fish and fisheries, um, fresh water in this country, but also uh, managing fish that were extinct in the wild through a, a partnership and, and some work I did with with Chester Zoo while I was at, at college at, uh, at, uni, at uni in Liverpool. Um, I paid for my uni courses by working in a local tackle shop in, in Chester, which was called Hoo Langley Centre. It's now Chester Tackle Locker, run by the lovely Wendy and Simon. Yeah. And, um, Wendy Locker, and there's a great Anne and Grant Simon, of course, very good fantastic anglers and it was uh, it was a chance phone call one day um from a guy i knew who originally from chester who was who was news editor of anglian times at the time a guy called richard lee who just happened to phone up i think for a bait order for the weekend and uh just happened to say we got some jobs going at uh, anglian times one of them was for a match editor would i be interested and i said well i'd be interested i'd have a i'd have a look on a, on a road map to find out where peterborough was because at that point i had no idea and uh, I thought I'd go down. What what harm could it do? I was just about to finish my my master's degree at Liverpool, and I thought I'm not sure what's coming next. So I, I give it a go. I went down for an interview with the editor at the time, which was Keith Higginbottom, and was just fascinated by the the creative process in in making that newspaper as, as it was back then, um, from scratch every day, uh, every week, and just got hooked and. Obviously, did did okay in the interview to to get the job and and moved down to Peterborough. And that was in uh, September nineteen ninety six. Oh, so I've been there quite a while then. I was part of the furniture def still, definitely part time. of the furniture. Actually, one <laughs> of the uh, my first jobs was to look after the clubman competition, and we had uh, monthly winners, and I wanted to create something for those monthly winners, and I was quite nervous, but I wanted a superstar guest to come and fish and present the prizes to these i think it was 12 it was 12 guys it was month, monthly winners and i sheepishly phoned a chap called keith arthur and asked if he'd be prepared to come to peterborough and fish a match and you did 
and you absolutely won it hands down fishing for roach on a whip at uh, Ravely Drain. And it kind of started from there, really. It was uh, that was my, my first job in, in the first couple of couple of months of starting. There must have been a few genuine superstars not available before you got to me, but <laughs> going down the list, that's <laughs> well, for sure. You're, you're A in the phone book, so you're always over the top. There you go. So that's how I got so many, so many benefits in life. Just be A in the phone list. Um, <laughs> so how long were you there for? I mean, talk us through, because you finished up as, as not just editor of Angling Times, but I think editor of the whole Angling Group, didn't you? Yeah, so started in September... 1996 as match editor and worked my way up to I think it was almost every job on on the title at, at one point um, through deputy news editor news editor managing editor deputy editor and then in 2012 I think it was I was appointed editor of Anglian Times and quite quickly after that I was appointed editor in chief of the portfolio which had at that time, and in times, improving course fishing, Sea Angler magazine, Trout Fisherman, and Trout and Salmon. And we subsequently launched uh, lots of kind of spin off magazines like Match Angling Plus or Angling Plus as it became, and Angling Times Advanced and Carp Feed, both digital and, and print products. And of course, Angling Times in that time changed from being a newspaper to a magazine. That was quite a, a fascinating process to be involved in. and quite a nervous one it's you know newspaper been around for a very very long time at that point 60, 60 odd years and to to suddenly change it from a broadsheet newspaper to or a tabloid newspaper to to a an a a4 glossy magazine was a bold bold step but it was it was a necessary one yeah it was probably a good time to do it as well because the days of getting in from a match on Sunday or Saturday evening and thinking, right, where am I going next week? And looking up the match calendar in the back pages, looking to see what the results had been the week before that at the match you were looking at then. Those days are gone. Like they, and they've been gone now, probably for getting on for 20 years, where people now, they know where they're going every week. And in many cases, it's the same place. And if it's not the same place, it's the same little circuit depending on where you are in the country. You know, it's not so much down here because there aren't so many fisheries of that type down here. There's a lot more carp fisheries down here, but not so many match fisheries. But you can imagine if you're around anywhere in sort of the match capitals, maybe not so much Nottingham because Nottingham's still got the trend, but you you go to South Yorkshire, the the match fishing capital of the world, as far as I'm concerned, and, and the West Midlands, and every almost every road has got its own commercial fishery. It seems like Lincolnshire, because Lincolnshire had a head start, because Lincolnshire had commercial fisheries probably before anyone else, because they didn't have a close season there on still on enclosed still waters. So people have always gone there uh, to fish during the close season. So they had places they just had to expand, and 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 yeah, I, I, I suppose that's the reason for that. But um, and and it, it isn't now. You don't need to know what the results are in the back pages of the Angling Times because you can see them on those fisheries Facebook page or those clubs social media or whatever uh, which which is a change and you probably got there almost exactly at the right time I'm, I'm not saying this to blow smoke up because I'm only looking at it retrospectively when you look how fishing changed it wasn't exactly on the cusp of that it had changed a few years before that but it certainly became more markedly um, not necessarily to know what happened on the fishery. I mean, you you get sometimes you get midweek results in, in the middle of the following week, and, and certainly the weekend results would be in in most cases. Yeah, well, I, I do remember fondly those those press days going to uh, getting match results, or even flying back from a World Championships back in the day when they'd be on a Saturday or Sunday, and we'd we'd fly back through the middle of the night and, and come straight to the office and be typing up results and. Getting the pictures developed in in a uh, you know to developers in in Peterborough, uh, where we were based for for Anglian Times, and then rushing through the copy and, and getting it ready for sort of half six in the morning to to go to press along with the other match results from that weekend, and it, it was incredible turnaround. You know the, the the pace that that we worked at. I know it was a weekly, and you compare that to you know the guys who work on on daily newspapers, but that was still a a rapid pace to turn that amount of content around. Sometimes we do. Eight, eight, ten, twelve pages in the centres centres of Anglia Times from one from one event from one one World Championships, and it was 
you know, we, we haven't got a huge team on, on this. It was two or three people and you'd end up not sleeping for 48 hours to get get the thing out the door. But that was the buzz that, that I loved of that. And, you know, sadly, it, yeah. it disappeared. It, it, you know, the world changed, sad, sad, sad to say, but the, the internet came and that information was readily available and people absorbed it in, in 15 seconds and, and moved on where, you know, that we couldn't continue to do what we'd always done. It was It was lovely, but it was not future-proof working that way. Uh, it's it's a real shame as well because um, they, you know, flying by the seat of your pants was a good thing. It's like, you know, I never tied hooks before I went on a match because I wanted the excitement of tying them during the match. You probably couldn't handle that. Now, now I see people, they don't change a hook anymore. If something goes wrong, they change a rod because they've got multiple of everything set up beside them. And I remember the days at Medley when I used to say 12 foot, two 12 foot normal hooks in case I broke one. There's no such thing as them one at Legend. If the river was in feeder trim for Medley, I didn't go because yeah. I wanted to catch Chubb and Roach on the Wagler, and that was it. That's when I went. Um, so then, suddenly, you weren't there anymore. I got an email saying, "Oh, come in. It's been lovely working with you." Blah 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 blah. And then get on with on your own. Um, but not really. No. And then you weren't there. So yeah. what happened? It was. Um, I was there twenty, nearly twenty-six years. Um, I thought I'd kind of run my course uh just prior to that i'd actually been diagnosed with cancer and i had eight months away from from work um having uh, a life-saving operation and, and five months of chemo and I, I kind of i went back and my heart my heart was in it but my mind wasn't i'd i'd and recent point in my life i was i was getting towards 50 and i'm still young but i I thought there were other things out there and, and I wanted to go and explore that. I wanted to have some time off. And so in January 2012, I thought I'll have six months off and do something a bit different and just take care of myself for a little bit. It'd been quite intense for, for 25 years. You know, there's nobody else had worked on the title for that long. Nobody else had been editor for that long. Um, so it was it, I'd, it was time to... to spend some me time really and, and and think differently do do a bit of fishing this was the plan anyway and um hopefully go to france and enjoy a bit of carp fishing and, and a bit of a break it never happened i uh, i as i said i I've, i think i called you and, and a couple of other people to say i was leaving and uh one of those those guys that i called um was a guy called jamie cook who's ceo of the angling trust and he said well we have got a couple of jobs that are being advertise at the moment would you be interested and I thought oh, I need a break I need a break so the first thought was no not really but he's quite a persistent chap and uh and we had another conversation and I saw the job description and you couldn't have written a more perfect job description for me a job role that was involved in in running match match fishing in the UK for a body that I was a huge supporter of and had been since the old National Federation of Anglers days and it just it just clicked I just wanted to do it so I went for some interviews which were really tough I'll be honest because it was a long long time since I'd had an interview I'd interviewed thousands and thousands of people myself but hadn't been interviewed myself for a very very long time and he said just just fire over a CV so oh yeah, I haven't done one of those since 1996 either. So that was it. <laughs> that was an interesting one. Let's let's quickly go on Microsoft to see what I can uh, download a template for a CV and what do they look like these days. I'd obviously seen hundreds and hundreds of prospective CVs from prospective reporters and and you know journalists coming to work for me over the years, but never put one together myself. So that was that was entertaining. Uh, went and had the interview and was offered the job and couldn't wait to start to be brutally honest it was just i wanted to get my teeth into into events that i'd seen and covered as a reporter back in the day and now was looking after and was shaping and been able to shape the future of them but it's, it's not just well correct me if i'm wrong i don't think you're just responsible for things like the national and the winter league and, and you've got the whole lot haven't you there's there's quite a few so we had a a, a quick tot up in the office the other day and in 2022, we ran 178 different events across course C and game, and we had nearly 40 England teams that represented us 
as the governing body at events around the globe this year and there's a lot of a lot of admin i've got some brilliant brilliant people I, I work with that make sure that everybody gets to go to the right place everything's on the right day we've got pegs booked and you know, there's a lot of lot of paddling under the water that goes on um we not always get it right and sometimes human error creeps in as, as we've seen this year um, there's a couple of events that we weren't proud of um, but there's a lot more events that we were really really proud of and, and did a brilliant job in, in delivering for a real diverse mix of anglers across the country not just in terms of people but also the the disciplines of, of the sport as well float fishing and feeder fishing on rivers canals still waters you know we do try to create and run events for for all anglers as the sports governing body that's our that's our role When you look at how many types of fishing there are, and there are world championships for these days, never mind about parochial events. I mean, it's huge. It goes from, you know, literally minnows to marlin, as Dave Stewart's book um, is, is so beautifully called, because you've got sort of winter leagues where sometimes you're scratching for a pair of eyeballs, as, as they're often described, to get something in your net, right up to the big game world championships where you're looking for marlin and, and you know marlin at a big point score so yeah no yellowfin tune and that'll give you some points but uh, that the big game competitions are, are so vastly removed from from anything we do even you know you're not mastering your own destiny even because you don't get to fish on your boat so it's uh yeah it, 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 it is so diverse our sport and, and most people don't realize that the angling trust when it's a world championships or sips fips event and um, then you've got to go through the governing body the governing body is the angling trust that's right. I think in, in course fishing in 2023, we're, we're just putting the plans into place now, and we've got 18 course teams going going all around the world, um, from kind of Ireland and and to Bulgaria to France. Uh, I think there's an event, the Kayak World Championships, which we won this year, has been hosted in Tennessee in, in the USA in uh, in June next year, and we're, we're you know. We have some amazing, amazing volunteers that, that help us. There's, there's a team of, of six of us in, in the office now. Um, but the, it's the volunteers, this the volunteer England managers, volunteer match organisers, volun volunteer section stewards and head stewards. Everybody gives up a, a ridiculous amount of time to to represent the country and to and to run events for the benefit of of lots of, of thousands of people every year and without them without those volunteers we, we couldn't do it i mean if there is one thing that i can say now it, it's it's thank you to everybody who's been involved and has, and has offered support this year to, to help get those events off the ground and running smoothly we do need a we do need more there's no doubt about it we are looking at dropping in a couple of new events in in 2023 which uh, you know a kind of new territory for us in terms of international style events that we need we need help with but i think the the benefits of, of running those will make us stronger as an international body as well as uh, strong as you know an international squad in terms of float and feeder fishing and will hopefully bring on some youngsters as well that and that's a great thing because I, I, i've been reading for the last 30 years ever since commercial fisheries came about that we will never produce quality anglers again like we did in the past, and people like Scott Allen Gardner, uh, etc., and, and, and probably Will Raisin would be the last of their line. And then you look at the the Godfrey's and the Dents, and, and and to me they're still kids. They're obviously not that are coming through now. And you've seen Matt Godfrey in particular stands out because he's ginger, so you can, and you can see him a long way off. But you you can see his journey through the international angling. He's gone from being sort of youth level he was absolutely outstanding and he won't listen to this so I can say and he still is I mean he, he is a fish on a stick he's unbelievable as an angler and, and he's got his mates around him you look at the Lee carriers you know I, I, I sea fished with, with Lee's dad Paul um, and we were both involved with Diver back in the 90s and they're just they're stunningly good anglers that are, are, are good at everything and you've had this lovely transition through the raid, through the Scotthorns and the Nuds and, and and those onto the onto the um, 
the will raisins and the dead ships and you've got this next lot coming through and there are still more you can see like christian who won fishermania this year he's another one he's a he's a a kid we're not he's not genuinely a kid but to me he is and you see these these are just devastatingly good anglers not only are catching f1s eight inches deep you know these are these are people that they go on silverfish winter league matches and batter the traditional anglers into submission with their huge bags of fish they're, they're just top top anglers so i think the future certainly as far as my branch of the sport anyway and i don't know anything at all i have no qualms at all it's saying we know nothing at all about international fly fishing sea fishing or big game fishing nothing at all um but what i do know about course fishing is we're in you know they, they talk about the, the current england football squad having having um a, a, a generational group of a group of, of players and i think we've got a generational group of anglers i think we've got some stunningly good anglers i completely agree and and, and guys like like matt and, and james dent are are giving back as well so they're involved quite heavily in our um team england talent pathway it's uh it leads to the england under 15s team to, to trials for that which matt is uh is the head coach for um along with manager joe roberts and that kind of spins off into an under 20s england team and under under 25s so the guys that are coming through i, I saw some of them fish in the riverfest final this year uh, and they're they're an unbelievable talent i mean i have to say riverfest this year was was eye-opening for me i i, I sat and i was fortunate to spend half an hour sat behind uh, alan scotton and i don't know if there's any privileges in life in in certainly in fishing that watching alan scotton fish the trent for roach on the float and just watching the precision around his feeding and and the delivery of his rig is something that's everybody i would I, I get excited by that and then you go a couple of pegs down you, and you've got a guy who's 18 years of age who's coming through the the england team ranks and you're watching him and he's doing the same thing you know his standard of, of fishing is just incredible and you go up to this other end of the match then and you've got the sean ashby's and and Cameron Hughes of, of the world, who, you know, mainstays in, in England teams, who just, that, that that level of detail, that level of precision that they uh, they exhibit, and it just looks normal to them. And what we want to do is is get those guys to be involved with the next generation. You know, guys, young anglers, boys and girls from 10 to, to 15 years of age, give them the right grounding, show them that fishing isn't all about catching a carp down the margins. As much as that's been brilliant for our sport, you know, if we want England anglers of the future, they need to know about a wide range of, of venues and, and species and get them excited more than anything else about about the variety that fishing offers. Yeah, I've been, I'm not all that positive about F1s, if I'm honest. Um, I think they're sort of a Frankenstein fish. But when it comes to world championships, many of the venues that are fished have F1 type fishing. They might not be called F1s, they might be called Caracio, and they might indeed be Caracio. Um, but they're, they're, they're different from any of our um, indigenous species, and they need to be fished for in a different way. And F1s are the closest things we've got to it, I think. So we have got a little bit of, uh, uh, of, of something better going on from that point of view. But you, you mentioned there about um, the talent pathway, and um, unless it's changed from last year, that was very heavily involved guru tackle were very heavily involved with that and we've got many sponsors many um top tackle some top tackle brands sponsor some of the international teams but one of the biggest gripes you hear and, and maybe we can put this to bed maybe we can't maybe we'll make it sound worse than it really is um when i hear that people say well it's no good because everybody you know it's all self-funding except the big boys well they're self-funding aren't they and if they can't get sponsors then they have to pay indeed every england angler is self-funded there's no there's there are sponsorship and there's some incredible companies that have that have got behind the england team so the outlaw pro guys down uh have are looking after the the men's carp team who are world champions this year We've got Guru, as you say, who've been amazing for many, many years with the Talent Pathway and the under-15s team and also supporting the Junior National, Junior and Youth National we run each year. I've got uh, a guy called Jeremy Brook, who's uh, who runs a company called SSB Group. SSB, it's a law firm in Sheffield whose real passion for 
for fishing and uh, you know wants to give back to, to young anglers so sponsors the under under 20s team again which won two silver medals at the world championships last year with i mean that's that level of support allows you to take more support to the bank and to you know create opportunities that the lads can just focus on on fishing and winning medals and of course census long run, running sponsors of of uh, of bay for all the england teams and the the, uh, the key sponsor to the under twenty five team, so our our youth teams are, are really really well supported, um, but it's really difficult for everybody else. It is beg stealing and borrow every year. It's, it's running raffles and and uh, and you know and, and events to to try and raise funds to just to get abroad. I mean, the Anglian Trust reinvest everything, any surplus that we make from from nationals gets reinvested into into competition fishing and some of that does go to paying the entry fees for, for England teams who are representing the Anglian Trust and England at, at these global events. It's a, uh, it's the right thing to do. We want we want to be able to give them more. We just we can't. We, our funding isn't isn't done in the same way as uh, as other events. We don't get sixteen million pounds from the lottery or, or Sport England to send our elite anglers around the world. And and it's really really tough. So you are relying on anglers to be able to fund fund these events themselves, fund going to them. And in some cases we're talking two and three thousand pounds per angler just to go and compete. I, I, I think I'm right in saying, correct me if I'm wrong, that um people should people always say, well why don't Sport England support them? Because and I know I think I know the answer to that is because that's because Sport England don't do competitions. And it's now Sport UK or UK Sport. It's one of those two. It's it's um it's a, a mix up of those that word and those two letters UK and sport that fund elite teams and elite unfortunately means five rings doesn't it it's the elite uh, the Olympic athletes and that's it yeah absolutely it's really tricky if you're not an Olympic sport it's uh it's really difficult to get funding out of out of governments uh, and and bodies it's uh I mean Sport England's fantastic with the support they do for the the, the Anglia Trust and the uh, in a wider wider sense along with the environment agency and, and rod license money it's the elite level anglers that that miss out on that there just isn't funding for them um we do have a a slight chance i know of an event in 2023 which is being looked at by the olympic committee to potentially be uh, adopted as a as an olympic uh sport it may or may not happen but that's kind of the the first step on the road if we can get that ratified as, a, as Olympic sport you know what what else can we where else can we go and that opens up different funding streams and allows us to be supporting more England teams I mean it's, it's not that many years ago we go back and I mean in my early days on Anglian Times there was a an England men's team an England youth team and an England ladies and, and in course and and the same in in seeing game and, and that was it you know you could count them on count them in a, in a, in a baker's dozen the number of England teams at, at that stage and that's only going back late mid 90s you think of the sport the, te- the teams have had down the years you know you go back to steads and of course that fantastically long relationship with Granite international which was wonderful for the men's team and you know pete oh, i know pete pretty well and um there were very few strings attached to that money that was for the use by that team but only by that team um it could it would help i suppose if we had more than sort of one and a half percent of people that buy rod licenses sign up to the angling trust it, it would help in imagine if we had 10 percent of licensed anglers that would give us about seven times or give the angling trust about seven times the income that it's got at the moment from memberships and and i think i'm right again you may not know and you may not want to divulge if you do know or not but as far as i'm aware um membership isn't the biggest source of income for the Anglian Trust. It's uh, it's a huge part of it, um, but it is rod license money from Environment Agency and, and Sport England, as uh, we are delivery partners in in effect for those those bodies. Um, membership is is vital, and obviously we're a, a membership organisation, and what we run or all, all our competitions, our, our nationals, our fishermanias and river fests, and and uh, and everything else that we do are all for our members which is quite difficult to get across to people sometimes um but, but i usually try hard and um, and and like you you mentioned there um the money from the environment agency and people say well that's that's the, the angling trust to pay to be mouthpieces of the environment agency i know nothing could be further than the truth but convincing people isn't always easy uh, and that but that money people 
I, I think also as well, people don't understand the difference between grants and funding. Grants is money that you can you're given. You can do what you like with it, or but but funding is always for a specific purpose. So in other words, the money you get from the um, from the environment agency is part of a contract that the Angling Trust bid for. They tendered for that contract along with other people. They were granted that contract, and that is to run the voluntary bailiff service and increasing angling participation because the environment agency aren't allowed to advertise they can't say oh, come and go fishing and buy a rod license so they contract in currently the angling trust could change currently the angling trust to get more people to go fishing which organically sells more rod licenses I've, I've, I, you can tell me if anything i've said there is wrong because quite possibly it could be but, but I, I think it's it's sort of a pretty generalized um answer Oh, absolutely spot on. Absolutely spot on, Keith. And, you know, those, um, there's a lot of documentation that, that uh, goes into, we have, we have monthly updates with, with the EA and, and Sport England to, to make sure we're delivering on, on track. And, uh, you know, it's, um, it's a five-year contract that at some point we have to renew via bidding again. It, you know, we go through the whole process again. And hopefully we're going to be the best partner each, each time to continue delivering what we do. Back to the, the sort of nuts and bolts of, of competition fishing. Where do you think it's going? You, you said you're generating a couple more competitions. Will that spread the load thinner? Or will it actually, is, is it likely to introduce more anglers into competition fishing, whatever their discipline? I think that's the key word is it's discipline and there's there's huge variety in in our sport and within feeder fishing there's i think there's three different types of, of world championships for example um you know there's there's uh for for men's ladies there's a there's a new freestyle feeder world championship starting in 2023 uh that's going to be held in valencia in spain and um, we've just put out um well the closing date it's just gone actually for applications for uh, a manager to to run that team because it's it's completely starting from scratch for us the event has been going for a couple of years on a on a smaller scale but we want in this year we want to be part of that we think we can win it and we want the best manager the best squad and the best team fishing and hopefully bringing back gold medals from from that event it's so it's kind of for us it's about creating opportunities for everybody to fish a national event whatever type of fishing you like doing on whatever type of water um and that's really difficult because fishing has got really really niche and it you know you, we do have specialists who will only go and fish a pole on a, on a still water to catch f1s they will only go and fish a feeder for children barbell on, on, on a river and that's that's what they do that's what they love doing it so to create a competition around that is you know is is our goal we we want to engage with lots and lots of different types of anglers on lots of different types of fishing so what's different about this this freestyle feeder competitions does it mean you can use method feeders elasticated feeders short hook lengths or uh, it was described to me as anything goes but i don't think it's quite that so our the um the current feeder squad the 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 team run by dean barler as you mentioned earlier lee kerry's steve ringers uh mick viles and 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 those guys, they fish with 50 centimetre hook lengths, cage feeders, um, and I think you can use window feeders on that one as well, but it's, uh, it's very much kind of the old style, old school, either Mark's bream fishing, that's what I love about it, to be brutally honest, it's, it's that, um, yeah. that sort of style of fishing. The new one is... Well, Ivan, Ivan rarely used a feeder because they weren't allowed when Ivan was in his pond. Yeah, I, I, the first feeder was only allowed there national, I think, 1971, was it, or 72? Something like that, yeah. You know, and that's, you know, which to me is, is relatively modern. I mean, you know, the last 50 years is, isn't that long ago for me. Uh, but of course, it is a massively long time ago. But when you tell people that you weren't allowed catapults, throwing sticks, there were people disqualified from nationals for using a rolled up Daily Express to fire out maggots, <laughs> it, it's bonkers when you, you try and explain that to, to people today but uh, yeah so, so, so that's more like let, let's call that the classic that's that's what it is yeah style then uh, yeah. 
it's very much pre-method. It is, and the new one, uh, the freestyle feeder, again is it's method feeders, hybrid feeders, that that type of thing, shorter hook lengths, uh, fish meal baits, and uh, pellets, pellets, pellet-based baits in it, in effect. Yeah. And uh, you know, we've got a really strong chance on that. We've got some incredible anglers who've been fishing for the last twenty years on commercials. And that's 20 years before other nations in Europe have, have had commercials in the, in the same way. So I think we've got a little bit of a head start on them. I just hope that our skills and knowledge are, are put to the put to the uh, to the test, and we put everybody to the sword in in uh, in November, I think it is next year. Let, let me wag a finger at you and remind you about the waggler, because. The French had never picked up a Wagner until not very long ago, and soon they were yeah, battering our bums. They're very good you know, at it now, they, aren't they? But they and, and Hungarians. I, I was writing with my archive the other day. Hung, Hungary's first World Championship victory, and now you look at their squad and and the tackle they create and invent. You know, you, you look at well, some of the floats that they come up with are just out this world. Just, just from, you couldn't even dream about them. You know. Can you can you imagine as someone clever enough to invent a float that will go upstream against the current? Or will you can drop it in in the middle of the river and it'll carry your bait straight across to the far bank. No, no little motors in there or anything. Just design them with veins and body shapes and everything. I mean, that's, and that's just Creluso. There, I'm sure there are other companies that do very similar stuff. But you look at what's coming out of, 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 of what used to be our car countries, you know, places that were eons behind. No, it's fascinating. What what we've seen from going to world championships this year from nations like Hungary and and, and Spain in particular and and Holland I think was the other is that we're seeing familiar faces. So some of their national anglers are representing their countries at multiple disciplines. So they're fishing to international rules on a regular basis, which is we're we're not. We have very very few anglers, if any, that cross over between different teams. And, and, you know, so they're not getting that experience. So for us, creating more international style competitions to bring more of those that young anglers through, but also give our existing anglers more opportunities to, to fish in an in a, in a international style can only be beneficial for world championships in the, in the future. I'm not going to go back 70 years. Um, I'm not even going to go back 50 years. But let's take since... Um, Let's take post-commercial, post-C, so it's post-commercial, post-commerce. Since about the 90s, would you say much angling is in a better place now? Um, Numbers-wise, I, I know prizes-wise, it is good lord. How many 50,000, 20,000, 10,000, 70,000 pound prize competitions are there around now compared to then? The answer is all of them. Um, do you think that match fishing is, is stronger now? Than it was, say, let's let's take the cutoff as nineteen ninety. I think it's just different. I think it's difficult for some people to get excited about winter leagues. You may have fished one for for thirty years and and have discovered some other way of, you know, may have discovered silverfish on commercials and they're easy to part behind. They're of an age, let's say, like all of us. We want we want an easy yeah. life. Uh, we want to enjoy our fishing. We don't want to be kind of forced to go and fish for six days like I used to be in effect on a, on a winter league in, in uh, the middle of December um, six days luxury, luxury yeah <laughs> six days and a good gin and that'll see you through and your team would get mega points on that one you'd be a hero back at yeah. the pub it's just different I remember I remember around of the, I'll just interrupt there just so I remember a round of the free of the Thames winter league the Thames division that was fished at Remenham, which is just downstream of Henley on the Thames. And and our fish were a pretty good team. Terrapins were a pretty good team. And um, we had one catcher, and that was Billy Allen, who caught a miller's thumb that he watched foraging about next to his keep net. And he caught it on a busted pinky. And that was the only fish that we weighed in. And that got us fifth out of 12 teams of 12 on the day. And... It wasn't even flood or anything. And, and yet we... St- it was cold and clear. We still get lots of people say it was better in the old days. It, it, it is just... Yeah, yeah. That's bonkers. It was, it's just different now. And 
you know, if you don't like a certain amount of fishing, you're quick to go on the internet and, and tell everybody about it, which didn't happen in the old days. You just voted by your feet and, and didn't go, and you went and did some, something else. Now you've got to have a rant on, on one of the internet forums or whatever it may be. Yeah. At £127 today came fifth. Even even some of the, 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 the natural venues, places like March and some, some of the Fenland drains that you, you're well acquainted with in, in your part of the world. Um, some of the catches on them are outrageous. 40 and 50 pound a roach. Winning a match. I'm not saying someone's sitting on a, a sack full of silly old bream or a few big tench. They're catching 320 roach in, in a in a five-hour match in what would be shocking conditions. Oh, absolutely. Breaking ice and, and, and catching double figures. It's it's crazy. It's um but it all goes in cycles. I remember those sorts of catches coming from the Welland at Spalding not that many years ago and then Bob Nudd tipping back. Yeah. I think £32 for, for nowhere in section, which is like it's a dream day's fishing for anybody who's coming into into the sport, whether you're a match angler or, or not, just to catch that 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 number of fish and, and that weight of fish. You mentioned Ivan, and I remember once having a conversation with Ivan saying that if only you could carry around five pounds with you from the beginning of November to the end of the season, you would win a shipload of money. Five pounds. Carries out. What do you want? Five pound. Oh, you, you've come third with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that, that needs to be Incredible. that needs to be well into twenty-five pounds these days, doesn't it? Those, easy, yeah. easy, easy, easy. Yeah. In those, I mean, I haven't caught quality bream when they weighed a kilo. Now, what quality bream's eight pound? Eight pound bream on matches. Yeah. Which is, oh, I had nine bream at Medley. What do you want? Only sixty-two pound. It's it's off the sky. <laughs> Fishing people, people don't know they're bored. <laughs> We did, we did a, uh, a trial, and uh, I may not be, I might be talking about a little bit out of school, but we have been looking for a, a suitable venue to host the World Championships, and it has been, without doubt, a real struggle. We have lots yeah. of waters that have got fish in, uh, but don't have the access, which is really important, you know, to get 200 anglers on, we need parking behind every every peg, rows behind. That access just isn't, isn't everywhere. Um, we've had plenty of waters that we've been to and, and spoken to owners, who just don't want that level of pressure on their on their water, as well. Um, and we've been to venues which are absolutely perfect, but the fish stocks aren't, aren't great. And we did one trial earlier in the year, and it was um, we had some of the best anglers in the world on this on this trial. So we knew that if there were fish there, these guys would catch them. It was as simple as that. And we had uh, very few bites. We had a handful of roach, and then one guy just half an hour before we do we we're gonna call it call it a day hooked into a, a bream and and brought in and it was nearly 14 pound and we were <laughs> we'd never seen anything like was that quite close to the trend it was very close to the trend yeah indeed it was a fish that none of us had even seen of that size it was a drennan cup winning specimen it was incredible but we just didn't have the the depth in the other in the other species that we needed to to host it and and, to, and so we're kind of back to the drawing board with this and we are working behind the scenes desperately trying to find a suitable venue we've had lots and lots proposed to us but they just the the strict rules that, that the international governing body FIPS put in place make it really difficult and then when you go like we went over to the, the feeder world champs in, in Belgium this year myself and, and my colleague James and driving through northern France and, and through Belgium to the Dutch border there's just water everywhere, all just huge lakes, massive rivers, and all of them have got an amazing network of, of road systems behind them, and, and we just don't have that. We've built on most of those places that with housing estates. It's really difficult for us to find a location that, you know, they, they are blessed in Europe, which is why most of the, Europe, the world championships are hosted on the continent and not in this country. But we are working, we're working really, really hard to find a suitable venue that, that can host a, a flagship event. I suppose the wealth of international angling as well makes it more difficult because now everybody is going to go for at least one week's practice and many teams go for two weeks practice. So you've got, certainly for the second, the official practice week, you've got a large amount of bait being thrown into a river or a lake or whatever three times a day. And We've got some blooming good rivers with plenty of fishing, but they're not going to take 
three kilos of joker going in every day because nobody practices for methods to enjoy it. They practice on what they're going to catch most on and they'll be trying to catch most fish and they'll be putting in lots of ground bait, lots of joker, lots of blood worm, lots of maggots, casters, etc, etc. And, and you know, whilst we've got rivers that are fishing better than they ever have, unless you're lucky enough to be able to be able to introduce a flood on Thursday so everything gets washed through and scoured out, that just doesn't happen. But, you know, I, I know you were talking about Home Beer Pond, um, where we had that disastrous World Championship in 1994, which fished well after that. I mean, it was the conditions on the day were atrocious for match fishing and the amount of pressure it had didn't help. Um, everybody banged cormorants, and, and cormorants obviously played a role because the fish showed up, and if you're not there, you can't catch them. They're, they're not in front of you, you cannot catch them. But, you know, I, I've regretted for the last nearly 30 years now that um, that doesn't belong to angling. That should be the UK centre of angling excellence. Absolutely no question about it. It's hardly used these days. It will cater for every discipline apart from sea fishing, but you can have tournament casting there. It's got everything is accessible there. You can, you know, bung trout in a couple of the lakes and have the still water trout matches there. You can have lure fish, everything you like, but it needs fish and it needs managing. And it's never, ever, even since, even when it was World Championship venue, never been managed for angling. Angling has always been the, the poor relation behind other floating water sports. You know, the, to lower the bloody ropes to the bottom so you could fish a match on it um, to take the, 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 the boat lanes out of the way. But if that had been when it was available, if only we had the money, if only we had 10% of licence holders uh, belonging to the national governing body going back to the National Federation of Anglers then the Angling Trust. What about your own fishing? Are you still, still able to get out a bit, Steve? Yeah, I, I do. Um, I, I'm very lucky. I've, I've got a stretch of the River Neen that, that runs through the area where I live, which um, is it's it's as close to the River Dee from my child as I, I can possibly get. So it's it's I've got two rods in, in ready rod sleeves that are set up with one with a waggler, one with a stick float, and then the odd occasion I might go and lob a feeder out and it's different every time you go it can be dace it can be roach it can be those weird little skimmers that that come out of ferry meadows sometimes and sometimes you can hit on a shoulder bream last august i uh underarmed a feeder um turned around to get a coffee and the rod had nearly gone in and i didn't stop i think 21 bream later and they were all those big old ferry fish of six to eight pound it was wow it was just in incredible on a stretch where yeah. you have to beat the nettles down because nobody goes. It's, it's you goes, know, yeah. lovely little unfish stretch. Can't remember what year it was. Middle of the nineties, I drew um, a section all wall and had a lovely day fishing one of the nicest nationals I've ever had. I was third on the section. I was beaten by someone with five chub and nearly fifteen pound, and Billy Hughes who had a roach in a carp, and um, for ten pound two, and I had nearly eight pound of beautiful roach running a regular two-thirds of the way across and firing you know bronze maggots after it and just just having a great day sport and um yeah, i was also 13th that day so i was a little bit unlucky being 13 twice on nationals no not not oh, i regret it it's all bitter yeah. <laughs> on both occasions by less than oh, no. well, but anyway never mind about being second by announcing no i shouldn't even go there should i so, so you enjoy that? Do you, do you fish any matches? I haven't fished matches for a little little while. I, I was member of a of a few clubs in in the area, but um, it kind of took a little bit of a of a back seat when I um, was having my my treatment, and, and then COVID came in. So it's uh, it's something I'm, I need to get back up to again. It's finding some silverfish matches. That's that's the thing for me. Obviously, we run a, a competition called Zero Fit Silverfish. And we get uh, we get hundreds of, of anglers taking part at, at commercials, but I need to see that that float move down a down a river. It's uh, it's what does it for me. So if there's any uh, any any float matches in the area where it's silverfish through the winter, I'll be there. Don't don't worry about that. And then summer, it's it's planning a little bit um, around some car fishing. Um, I, I love traveling over to France. It's just the time where you can you can step a, step aside from work and just have a few days where it's it's just you and the and the wider world and the and the the wily carp and and hopefully catch a few. I've had a, a couple of blank sessions in in recent trips, so yeah, I'm keen to get back this summer and, and have another another good blowout. Let's say those lakes only you a couple of fish. 
funny you mentioned uh, zero fit there on I, I took them at their word about the only base layer you'll never need and I invested in in um, one of the tops and uh, I was talking about zero if it fits everywhere is it if it, it touches everywhere they're, they're quite snug but you know how cold it was last week I have to go out because yeah, these people will listen to this at various times well it was the pre-Christmas freeze was last week as far as our, our chat today is concerned and uh, as you know I've still got a pony a couple of ponies I have to go and look after so every morning about 8am I wander down to the fields and I was wearing one of those a polo shirt and a jacket and never once did I get cold so yes yeah. that was a good investment of mine they're not always been good investments, right? Yeah. Fish, fishing clothing has, has grown, hasn't it? It's been incredible change of a fishing clothing from those kind of giant baby grows to, uh, you know, to, to base layers that I, I swear by those. I've, I've been I've been wearing that kit for quite a while now, and it's you wouldn't go back. Let's go go back to Daymar with the emergency back door. <laughs> <laughs> that was great stuff. That was you got it on, you couldn't get it off. That was uh, don't call that those days. That must be 50 years ago. That was um, Baymar of Croydon, from what I remember. They're probably still around, probably still selling very, very warm clothing. Uh, with a, Still with a trap door, I expect. Um, that was, um, yeah, that was good fun. Listen, mate, it's been smashing talking to you. Thanks so much for sparing the time to talk to me. And hopefully, I'll talk to you soon. And as, I, as I've already divulged it just before Christmas, season's greetings, old chap. And to you too, Keith. Thank you very much. Cheers, mate. My thanks to Steve Fitzpatrick for giving up some of his precious time for a chat. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. And if you have, please remember to like and subscribe. You need never miss another, perhaps even share via your social media. You can also listen to all the previous Strange Boat Cruises, of course. I'll be back soon with another shipmate, so keep your eyes open for that. But for now, from me, Keith Arthur, it's cheers and tight lines. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.